and then I'll deal with it. Hi. Okay. How are you going? Good. How are you? Good. So here you are. So you've got Nisha with you and you're both at Safer Care Victoria Giant Steps. Yep. Hello. Hello. Hi, Nisha. How are you going, honey? And Good. Are you in Wollongong? Is that right? Yeah, I'm just, you know, just sitting here doing a few things on the laptop following along the conference. It looks amazing. It is. It's incredible. I this morning alone, just looking at um, Lynn Swinburne, who started the breast cancer um, her, what did she start? She started breast, the it's breast the BCN, BCNA, which is Breast yeah. Cancer Network Network Australia. After Incredible having a woman had breast cancer herself and just felt lost in the system, even though she was educated and created this huge organisation out of nothing. Just incredible following the tweets. Um, and then Bronwyn King, you know, radiation oncologist, uh, treating people for cancer, um, and then realised her super fund was funding tobacco companies. And then ends up saving 7.9 trillion US of money from being invested in tobacco companies. Like, <laughs> I mean, it takes your breath away. Two incredible sessions. Uh, just two incredible women. And I think, you know, this is where, you know, Giant Steps sounds like a really big name for a conference and somewhat a bit twee, but here are two women who have done gigantic yeah. things. And it really just goes to show the power. And I think this was really what both of them were saying is that Lynn was saying, I was just this ordinary um, school teacher who was, you know, president of the um, kindergarten um, and that type of thing. And now I've done this and in part out of circumstance and in part because she was initially so angry at getting the diagnosis from the receptionist and out of that has come something amazing and then Bronwyn as well like well I'll just see how what I do on the side and what Bronwyn said was that a lot of people criticized her mainly within the medical profession profession and said you know you've done 15 years of training to become a radiation oncologist why don't you just concentrate on actually research and clinical work and that it was that email from Professor Ball saying um, you know what you've done with this will make so much more difference than being a clinician that has kept her going with all the naysayers and all the difficulties. Um, so and it's so interesting, isn't it? It's like it's that comment of like, "I'll oh, stay in your lane." Oh, you're a radiation oncologist. Just you know, treat patients one by one when they show up to you with cancer. Yeah, but so this, just stay in, stay in your this lane. This is our right? lane. This is our lane. And yep. if we don't advocate for our patients and the community, then who will? And this is what we're seeing. We have we have so much more power. People trust us, and well, um, yeah. and doors open. And Bronwyn said that you know, lots of doors open because she's a doctor and she's played on that a lot. Um, yes. And we have so much more power than I think m most of us ever know. Yeah, I think I think that's true. We don't use the power that we have already. It was interesting on the tweets, people, someone asked Bronwyn, you know, was there pushback? And, you know, you talked about this pushback from her colleagues. But, gee, you're taking on tobacco companies. Like... That's kind of scary, actually. But um, it was interesting that I think her answer was, but, you know, who can stand up for the patients? You know, they've got lung cancer. They die very quickly. There's no one to stand up for them. So she was inspired by the patients to kind of withstand all the pushback. Very kind of moving um, answer to that question. 
And you know, our politicians in recent days have come out so strongly and said that the bushfires and everything else has nothing to do with climate change when everybody knows that the evidence is there. We're the yes. trusted profession. We should be saying it loud and clear. Yes. And, and pleasingly, we are. Like I've seen in the past 24 hours that um, ASM, so the Australian College of yes. Emergency Medicine, and the Royal Australian College of Physicians, and ACRAM, um, which is the Australian College of Rural and Remote Medicine, um, and I think RANSCOG also have all come out and said that this is a... Um, uh, climate change is real and it makes an, a significant impact on healthcare and this is an emergency. And so, yeah, yeah, so tell me, it's interesting. I was listening to um, the, the tweets coming out from Chris Nixon yesterday and yep. to my mind she spoke, she's most famous for the, the Black Saturday bushfires, you know, a number of years ago and the the 20, investigations yep, surrounding that. How is it? Is it 10 years ago now? Yep. Mm. Yep. It's well, it's, it's 11 years. Yeah. Given the, you know, the east coast of Australia is burning this week. Yeah. Um, what was she like to listen to? I, I, so I cried. I was very emotional. I, I, um, I cried to a number of things. Um, I, you know, you may have noticed that I didn't live tweet that session. I was absolutely transfixed. Um, she only had about five slides. She just stood there and talked and I could not take my eyes off her. And um, so she is a formidable speaker and incredibly calm and unflappable and which was all you know just kind of the body language and the tone of voice and those sorts of things were amazing as someone who listens to a lot of speakers and gives a lot of talks um and as well as what she said and i thought she was very very honest she addressed the elephant in the room you know she acknowledged that it was a catastrophic fire day yesterday in victoria and that there are fires burning around australia she acknowledged that um she did um have a lot of criticism about um, some some of the things that happened around that time um, and that perhaps she did make mistakes um, and may maybe she did make some and maybe she didn't um, and also talked about the community's role in wanting her there um, at events um, before or during and after the Royal Commission. And she also spoke a lot about um, gender equity and Nisha and I, as you know, have been involved this week um, in a Medical Journal of Australia article calling out um, a question that was asked by the NJA as to whether or not there was gender equ um, equity uh, in medicine and um, medical leadership. And it was like incredibly inspiring and reassuring to listen to this woman who was the um, first Chief Commissioner of Vic uh, of Victoria Police and the first female um, uh, Chief Commissioner of Police anywhere in Australia. Um, and she said, you know, that was the early 2000s when she got that role and there's only been one female Chief Commissioner of Police in Australia since, and it's now 2019, um, and spoke about her journey in leadership as a woman and uh, as um, a woman in this space. It, it was it was it was quite amazing and I'm still digesting a lot of it um, and you know, it was really interesting that when she joined the police force there were 8,000 men and 130 women and the reason Gosh. there were 130 women was because there was a quota you know we talk all the time about oh, quotas quota. targets really? etc but, but that's... wait for it Tan wait for why there was a quota but the... yeah go for it no go on go, on. go Nisha okay. 
So the quota actually only allowed 130 women. So more women couldn't join because of the quota. So that was the maximum allowed, rather. <laughs> yes, the so, quota was there to ensure there were no more. Oh, that was the maximum. Yep. So that interesting, isn't it? Eight, what, what, what were the numbers, Nisha? 8,000 8, men and 130 women. It's interesting, isn't it, the maths of that situation? Like, how did they come up with that? It's unclear. Like, <laughs> very unclear, giant, Doctor. But you know what? For the time, it would have been a giant step. Yes, yes. And people would have been angry. There would have been a lot of anger to say, well, we can't have women police officers. And I, and I suspect particularly, you know, front line. Yeah. You know, they're not strong enough or they're not tough enough or well, she said um, her, her, they'll distract the men. Yeah. Or, and you she know. said her, her own her father, father said to her, don't join the police. There's no future there for women. And so it wasn't so much about not believing in her. It was more believing yes. that the system wouldn't change. Yeah. Well, he probably want, you know, most parents want to protect their children. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that would have been out of kindness, you know, thinking, look, you're going to just, this is going to be a hard road yeah. for you. Yeah. And, you know, we want to kind of smooth the path for our children. And I guess if he was, if her father was a police officer, yeah. he would know very intimately um, the difficulties. I mean, being a police officer is no small feat. I mean, the things they deal with, we can only imagine. And he probably thought, gosh, I don't want you to have to see and do what I've done. Yeah. You know, perhaps you know a protective role, and it's actually it's interesting, isn't it? Sometimes when we place limitations on our children and our friends and family, we sort of do it. We have these good intentions because we think I want to protect you, and I don't want you to see what I've seen. You know, a lot of doctors say to their children, "Do not do medicine," because they've seen that. But um, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, and look, I think um, just to tie it back into today, and as we close up, um, you know. It was very similar to, I think, in some ways, what what the women who spoke today was, was that she just put her head down and kept going. And, you know, I think for me, the the really amazing thing she said that after the fires, um, there was a woman who spoke in support of her who'd lost two of her children in the fires. Um, And this is, you know, one of the many reasons I cried yesterday. And that Christine had a moment where she said, well, just get over yourself. You know that it wasn't about her. There were there were many people who died and people who have survived without families, without property, without livelihood, without children. And so I think, um, and that she. Oh gosh, you're giving me tingles. Yeah, and and that was it was it was a remarkable moment. And I think it's you know this is a fairly small conference. Um, The fee was only about four hundred dollars. This has been a remarkable two days, and I'm really happy that I got to share it with Nisha Um, and it's reminded me of smack and it's kind of a nice close off to the year and uh, I think the bell's going for the next session gone gas girl so so sadly we've got to go but uh, I need to to see the tweets coming through from you too because it's been incredible enjoy the rest of the day bye bye Bye. see ya